Cavalcade Audio Productions presents Star Drifter, the science fiction patio book series written and read by David Collins Rivera. Book Three, Risk Analysis. Chapter 23. In addition to the fire and unexpected uh, cleanup, a horrible rattling began on day four. It came from somewhere under the cockpit, but turned out to just be a loose clip on an air duct. I couldn't find it for over an hour, though, and the whole time I was sure the end was nigh. On day five, thick reddish drolic fluid started seeping out from underneath the mass of engine and power generation equipment directly behind. Occasionally, it detached from the deck and floated around the cabin in eerie little blobs. I didn't know where it might have been coming from, since there were no moving parts in the free jump design, I didn't think, except for fuel lines and pumps, which were all underneath our feet and presumably cordoned off by a containment drape of some sort. A leak down there couldn't get inside the cabin without there being a gap in the deck, something which would certainly have resulted in an air leak. According to the life support status message that showed on the board, we weren't depressurizing, and no other system was showing a status warning related to drolic pressure. I never did figure that one out, and it didn't cause a problem outside of being a mess. You can't use a mop or bucket in ZG, nor were there any such aboard. There weren't even any rags, so I stripped down to my skivvies and just used what was left of my jumpsuit as a blotter. And the time crawled. Okay, I'm clear. Drone is gone, back on its route. The package is in the shaft, hanging from the line. You're all set. Excellent, Dieter commented, looking and sounding relieved in his perma-stoner sort of way. I'll go get them after 1800. It should be quiet then. I'm off to work. Let me know when you have everything so I'm not worrying. He told me he would and rang off. As it turned out, I never got a chance to intercept one of the red drones on its way out of the sub-D. The next day, on my way back to work, I saw one trundling along in the slow lane, busy on some assigned errand. I stood in front of it on the open street, waited until no one was near enough to overhear, and said the interrupt phrase. Maybe, in fact, the words were magic, because it worked like a charm. I gave the robot the closet numbers, as researched by Stina and relayed to me in a monotone, and the approximate location of the bundle within the first closet, as described by Dieter. And that was it. 
The machine acknowledged and went on its way. I called work to say I'd be late, then went directly to Shady Lady's closet, sitting on my usual bench. The drone took nearly an hour, but eventually appeared, coming up the side road carrying a large, heavy-looking bundle covered in black plastic wrapping. It opened the door to the closet remotely as it approached, and I just followed. Popping the fire vent off, I pulled out the pressure suit stashed in there, and the dangling end of Dieter's cable for the block and tackle tumbled out. It terminated in a heavy-duty clip. I had the drone go back and forth a few times until it was directly under the vent, then told it to raise the load with its lifter arms as high as possible. I had to climb right up on the thing in order to get the package secured, the robot crying about accidental contact with a human being the whole time. It used a nagging staccato beep that I was scared would carry out into the companionway. It was extremely awkward reaching up there. I actually slipped off the machine once and would have hurt myself, except that there was a tall stack of crates behind. The drone stopped beeping for that, but then started again when I climbed back aboard. This time I was able to secure the cable to the package, and told the robot to drop its lifter arm slowly. It did so, and the bundle stayed where it was, just inside the shaft. Then I stuffed the pressure suit back up there, reclosed the vent, and dismissed the drone. At R&D, we were in the middle of a battle with Gendis over providing a subroutine to one of the power distribution processors. We had an ISM scheduled for later in the morning, that is, an inter-subdepartmental meeting, which I was on time for, despite my morning activities. It turned out there'd been no reason to rush. The meeting had been rescheduled. This had come down through team, which hadn't provided an explanation. Both Jake and Floyd swung by weaponry at different points, asking if we'd heard what was going on. Floyd gave me a direct look with that. An hour later... I got a call from Amanda Casellier's office on station. The eight wanted to see me. Now. I told Gaza I had a private meeting with team, called Floyd to say the same, and ignored Jake. Eight Casellier's office was at Team HQ with the rest of them. They let me in with a special visitor's pass. The counterintelligence officer's AI secretary told me the woman was in another meeting and that I'd have to wait a bit. This was typical, and typically annoying, considering how urgent the order had been, but the fact that I was now on the premises got relayed to the aide. Surprisingly, she dispatched some aides to escort me to the meeting, which was in another part of the building entirely. I was brought through to a large, round room, fairly dark, with a long, oblong table. A holographic motion map of the star system hovered over this, with icons and points of interest annotated in various colors. A lot of people in nice suits and team uniforms were present. A Casellier caught my eye and indicated an empty chair at one end. It wasn't near her, but rather between two people I didn't know, both wearing civilian attire. I felt underdressed. Mr. DeSantos, said a gray-haired, uniformed man on the other side of the table. Thank you for coming. 
This guy had a hard face and piercing, dark eyes that he used to great effect. His gaze was intense and uncomfortable. I disliked him immediately. I'm CPS-09 Admiral Byron Mailbrot, commander of Corporate Security Space Branch for Star System 21611B. I'm given to understand that you're taking over admin security investigations on the station. You're... I mean, I am? My confused tone of voice didn't throw him in the least. Yes, you are. When I first learned of its existence, I was inclined to see Brandon Erzga's little spy cell as a major pain in my backside. But the operative you two flushed out has made me a believer. We had no triangulation on the signal that was sent from Spoke Plaza, but a directional simulation was run based on a number of factors, and we hit pay dirt. At approximately 0230 today, an unauthorized vessel was detected in an elliptical solar orbit. He pointed at an oblong circle on the floating map that glowed briefly in response to his movement. It was stealthed. A pretty good system, but we were looking for telltales, and it finally stood out. We do not believe it was the same vessel that destroyed the prototype, indicating that an extensive operation is in place. The intruder was challenged and appeared to power up, either to shift orbits or to arm weapons. We chose to interpret this action as the latter. At approximately 0317 hours first shift, the linebreaker security cruiser liquidator fired a single pulse from its number four particle cannon and scored a direct hit. The enemy vessel was destroyed. How far was liquidator at the time? I asked, a gunner's curiosity rising immediately. In reply, he pointed to another orbit in the hollow, which obediently highlighted itself. I whistled. That's an impressive shot. Liquidator is an impressive ship, the man replied matter-of-factly. Admin security, or spec sign as you seem to prefer, was instrumental in this operation. As far as I'm concerned, it has proven the wisdom of the Montero BOD in retaining your independent status. I know a good idea when I see it in action, and I'm humble enough to reevaluate my own facts when the situation warrants it. As such, your department is to be re-established on Mylag Vernier. You are to be allocated a budget and be brought into the loop on all relevant security matters. Excuse me, my department? <sighs> I think there's some misunderstanding. This was Brandon's show? Without him, there is no department. As the only member of Specsign available at the moment, all others on record were deactivated and outshifted from the system. You are now the ranking member of Admin Security Investigations. As an Alliance citizen, even one with a high security clearance, it will require a special waiver from Territorial Headquarters on Interstar to grant you a civilian ranking of CPM-07 or above. 
The paperwork has been submitted for that, but until it comes through, you are to assume the rank of CPM-06 and begin assembling a new team. Brandon Erzga followed his lead to a very dangerous conclusion. A number of trained professionals have submitted POV reports detailing the events of that evening, and the word incompetence has come up more than once regarding the way he charged in. You are now cleared to read those reports, and I expect to see your certified comments upon them as a participant and eyewitness. Wait a minute, I broke in. All deference now subordinate to my fear and natural reticence towards management work. I was hired to help investigate the destruction of the prototype ship Jaybird. I obtained a position in R&D later on in order to continue the investigation from the inside. But I have no training in this. I'm a civilian class gunner. It's the only reason I was ever on the team. I'm aware of all that, Mr. DeSantos. But that was then. Don't waste my time arguing that things haven't changed. Whatever it was you were hired to do, you've shown competence and initiative in this arena, and you'll be working within it from now on. This is a promotion by several orders of magnitude. Most people would be extremely grateful. Most people aren't sitting here right now, I countered, probably looking as irritated as I felt. You have the wrong man for the job. I have the only man for the job, according to the board of directors. You want to quit? Break your contract and take the resulting fallout. Otherwise, stop interrupting this meeting. The pall that had fallen over the room was odd to qualify. Amanda Casellier's face was so blank it could have been her death mask. The others looked at me much the same way. This was a meeting for the big guns, and admin had insisted that their own little water pistol be included. These people were making it clear how they felt about that. They weren't sure what admin was up to, and they absolutely did not trust me. The fact that I clearly didn't want to be included failed to mollify them. If I kicked up a nasty stink now, someone might wonder why. They might look at everything I did, day to day, and even put a tail on me, a real one with real people, if they hadn't already. So I nodded and sat back. Nine Mailbrot continued to skewer me with his sharp stare for a moment longer, waiting, but I just gave him my own death mask. The meeting went on for the better part of an hour, covering the events of the morning in greater detail. I had no practical way to take notes since I hadn't expected to need to. Recording it all with retinals and bone cons would have only produced a massive media file I would have had to sift through later, and I wasn't willing to do that much work. Not for these people. I simply sat there, in attendance, watching my new, supposed colleagues. When the Nine ended the meeting and dismissed us all, I caught up with Amanda Casellier as she left the room. Don't you see how absurd this is? I began. Everyone does, she confirmed, walking quickly. She was shorter than me, but I had to half-trot to keep up. 
A man like Mailbrot isn't used to being overridden by the B.O.D. He sounded approving of their decision back there because the meeting notes will be off to corporate HQ with the next courier. But it'll stick in his craw for the duration, and he'll blame you because you're handy. When your waiver comes through, and it's likely to since you have fans on high, you'll be a seven. I'll still outrank you, but in the intelligence field, that's really not much difference. We'll be in distinct departments, effectively doing the same job. We'll step all over each other. It's redundant and stupid, and everyone in the star system in a position to have an opinion on the subject has already voiced it negatively. She marched out of the building as we talked. Three people in uniform having joined up as her escort or entourage or whatever just as soon as we'd exited the meeting room. A large private roller was waiting, and she paused at its door. You want my advice? Bribe a doctor. Fake an illness and get out of your contract through a medical exception. Go back home. You're on the open ocean in a paper boaty, Jock. You know it, I know it, the Nine knows it. Then she and her posse climbed in, and the car hummed away. Floy, Gaza, and Jake were waiting in ambush when I got back to R&D. CPS-09 Mailbrot staff had wasted no time outing me by sending the entire department an update on my new status. I could just see the Nine's gray features. I imagined him smiling. I imagined hitting him with a spanner. Floyeen knew some people who had clarified the sparse memo for her, and she, in turn, had taken the other two aside. Jake's office, having escaped the remodeling madness, was now the largest of anyone's, so we ended up in there. I didn't know anything about it, I protested. When I walked in, it was the first I heard about a new job. Why would they want you for some security service? Jake demanded, sounding as pissed off as he looked. Were you with them all along, spying on us? My heart sank. The other two were looking at me expectantly, waiting for a denial, waiting for me to fight with CPM-06 Hammerhools about his latest outrageous contention. Yes, I was. Jake nodded, as if this was something he'd always known instead of something he'd just come up with. Gaza's dark eyes showed shock, while Floyeen simply frowned. There was that other guy we caught, Jacob continued. Quan, was it? He came in when you did. How could you do this? Gaz asked, hurt. Jaybird was shot out of the sky, I shouted, because it felt like they were ganging up. What did you expect? A bouquet of roses? A door prize? Of course there was going to be an investigation. But that doesn't even matter. I've done the job you hired me to do since I've been here. And it's the only one I'm even qualified for. I heard they destroyed another spy ship, Jacob added, displaying that his chatty connections, whatever they were, were good ones. What? 
When? Gaza quizzed. <laughs> Ask him, the big man grunted waving in my direction from behind his desk. No, don't ask me, I instructed. Don't ask anything at all. Instead, listen. Just like what happened here in R&D, I never signed a new contract for this other department when team came in and took over. Technically, they can't hold me to the old ones, so I could refuse this new position, despite what they think. If you want to work on this station at all, you'll take it, Jake bellowed. Because I won't have you in R&D. You're a rat and a spy. I'm a gunner. You people have no idea what's been going on. You build a couple of ships, then let them get destroyed. You fight with all the other sub-departments about every little thing. Two people died out there. Don't you get that? Someone made a call. Someone sent them out after an unknown sensor contact. Two prototype free jumps running off to do a warship's job. Two ships? Jake questioned, confused. Where are you getting that? When Jaybird was destroyed, another ship of the same type was just jumping in to help. It got caught in the blast and was also wrecked. Gaza and the big man looked at each other in perplexity. There was only one free jump out that day, my weaponry boss stated. I have reason to believe otherwise. Well, it didn't come from here, Jacob dismissed. You're sure? I pursued. Because I did a lot of work on some quality sensor data that clearly showed... Ejok, Gaz interrupted. The only other free jump in existence is cageless, and you've seen it for yourself, stored away, safe and sound. Your data has to be wrong. I was stymied by that, because I believed them. I knew the simulation Chris and I had put together was spot on, yet neither of these people were liars. If there had indeed been another ship out there, it must have come from somewhere other than Mylag Vernier. All right, well, whatever, we can come back to that. But I still need to know who sent Jaybird out. Who gave the order? Do you guys even know? No one sent them out to fight, Gaza said, sounding even more confused. Jaybird deliberately ignored instructions to return to a safe rendezvous. We told the investigators that and filled out all the reports. They just took our common sensor logs and told us to keep quiet about it. I stared at her blankly, the wind, very suddenly and very completely, out of my sails. I'm telling you, it was that co-pilot admin brought in, Jake added. What was her name? Cryer? Smelled ex-military. I never met her before that week. It was supposed to be another single pilot test run until they waltzed her in. The reports I read stated that adding a co-pilot was a combined decision by all the sub-Ds, I said. When has that ever happened? Jake demanded. I wasn't in any meeting about co-pilots. Neither was I, Gaz threw in, nor any other project leader I've spoken with. I don't think it ever happened. Then what went on inside Jaybird? I wondered. There's no way to know for sure, Gaza replied. But Kraya must have overridden the pilot somehow to take the ship off on her own. How is she going to override Benjamin Yule? Jake demanded. This obviously an old argument between them. 
He was a primary engineer on the project, as well as the pilot. He knew the system inside and out, and he was a big guy to boot. She couldn't have forced him to do anything. Well, we know Cryer turned off comms just before they jumped after the intruder. Maybe she had a gun or something. Why would she attack him? He dismissed, then fixed me with a dark look. You still here? Wait a second, I snapped. Are you saying you already provided this information to the investigators? I've read all their reports, all your statements. I never saw anything about anyone turning off communications. And why is that my problem? Jacob spat. Oh, yeah, because it brought Ejok de Santos into my life. You're fired. Get out. No, Floy intervened, speaking for the first time. I knew he was part of some sort of special investigation. No details, but it was tacitly approved from over my head. Well, you're new here, too, Jake barreled on, characteristically unaware of when to shut his mouth. Just because you and your team flunkies can walk in here and... If you finish that sentence, Mr. Hammerhulse, she interrupted, her voice flat and very hard. I promise that your security classification will get bumped down so low you won't be cleared to wash toilets on this station. Go ahead and try it, lady, he retorted. I've got more friends here than you know. If you have even one, it's more than I know about, Floyd responded acidly. Just stop it, I bellowed. And they did. It's done. The investigation, my investigation is over. You mean, that's it? Gaza queried. You could have asked these questions on the very first day. Why all this nonsense? Because I was told... I shook my head in pure wonder. It doesn't matter what I was told, or the reports I was given. They were faked. It was a cover-up. If Cryer was pushed through by admin then team had reason to distrust the board of directors. They would withhold certain facts while they looked into it more deeply. But the Montero BOD must have suspected team of keeping secrets, so it created its own investigatory group, Specsign. That's all guesswork, Floy said. Well, I admit some things still aren't clear. The Free Jump's attack was especially aggressive, stupidly so, in fact. And the fight could have gone either way. The intruder got lucky, you mean? Gaz asked. Well, its gunner was probably pretty good, I hedged. But, yeah, in simple terms, it was lucky and Jaybird wasn't. Why team covered up what they found, I don't know. Maybe they're using it as leverage at the upper management level to get what they want. I imagine they would have done anything to take control of this project. Don't even start with that, Floyd puffed up. I won't hear any talk about a team coup d'etat if that's where you're going. It's simply ridiculous. Take a breath. That's not what I mean. Questions of a cover-up and influence peddling aside, team doesn't want civilians in charge of this because civilians would mean admin and they don't trust admin anymore. There are moles here, a true spy ring. CPM 10 Farlington, who sponsored Brandon Erzga, might be trying to stop them. Or he may very well be one of them, I don't know. 
It would explain why Malbrot isn't fighting too hard to be rid of me. Putting a total novice into a solo security position would allow team easy oversight of admin investigatory activities on station. Heck, they'd control much of what I saw and did. If this Farlington is a traitor, then I'm a serious security problem, even if I don't know it myself. This is their way of isolating a possible enemy agent they can't rid themselves of just yet. They all sat there, pondering my assertions, even Jake. He hadn't moved. His hands were still clasped behind his head, forehead wrinkled in concentration, piggy eyes small and angry. If you don't take the position, Floy said after a bit, you'll likely be deported. Or they could just lock you up, Gaz threw in. Classified military operations aren't going to be derailed by anyone. They'll see to that. Please, Seven Noellen spat. Can we leave paranoia and anti-team drivel out of this conversation? Talking to all of you right now is my insurance against anything like that, I told them. If team comes after me, they'll have to go for you three as well, and they'll have a hard time justifying important members in R&D being bounced. Not if they think we're in on it, Jake ventured, sitting up at last. They could see this as an R&D conspiracy and charge us all. They already know it isn't. Couldn't they arrest you just for talking to us, citing breach of contract? Asked Gaza. You signed NDAs about this stuff, didn't you? Questioning you three is well within my mandate for ADSEC. That's how I'd argue it, anyway. They were silent for a bit, each thinking, I'm sure, exactly what Gaz finally voiced. So, what do we do now? What do you want from us? Nothing more. You've thrown a little light on something that's been bugging me from the beginning. And you expect us to just go back to work, to business as usual? She pursued, unconvinced. How am I supposed to do that? You have me starting at shadows, Ejok. You'll go back to work and do your jobs and ignore anything that isn't your jobs, I pressed harshly. Civilian applications of this tech will alter the face of every free market and governed space. Military applications could redraw the map entirely. I'm convinced someone wants those changes to go in a very specific way, and they'll take out anyone they see as a threat. But who is it? Floy asked, looking desperate for something to hold on to. Who's behind all this? I stared at the wall, but didn't answer. It was getting lighter in here. The murkiness was starting to part, revealing something ugly and big and hidden up to that very moment. I had that sinking sensation again. This time, it felt like I was drowning, drowning in the light. Because there was only one power in space that had the foresight, motivation, and technical expertise to initiate these kinds of deep espionage operations, to manipulate the politics and perceptions of nations, to place agents within secret facilities and elite boardrooms alike. United Humanity.
You have been listening to Risk Analysis, a science fiction novel written and read by David Collins Rivera. You can contact me at lostinbronx at gmail.com. That's L-O-S-T-N-B-R-O-N-X at gmail. You can also check out my site at cavalcadeaudio.com and sign up for my newsletter, where you'll find exclusive content and early releases. This story is copyright 2016 by the author and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 international license. Feel free to use it for any purpose, even commercial, and I encourage you to do so. The Star Drifter theme is a piece called i by Trunks and can be found on SoundCloud.com. The theme for Risk Analysis is called The Inventor by Zach Beaver and is available on SoundCloud.com. Risk Analysis is a work of fiction and is not based upon nor meant to portray any person, living or dead, nor any particular place or situation. Thank you for listening. Take care.